Uh, you may not have heard over the uh, noise of everyone speaking, but there was a song playing. And that song is by an Aussie band called Cake. Uh, you may, well, you probably didn't notice because you were very noisy. But the lyrics went something like this. I just want to play on my panpipes. I just want to drink me some wine. As soon as you're born, you start dying. So you might as well have a good time. Sheep, go to heaven. Goats, go to hell. The fact is that most people uh, think that this is their take on heaven and hell. It's a bit of a joke, a bit of a laugh, something you put in a song to a ditty tune. And the fact is that most people, they can accept uh, that if there's a God, then, well, there's probably a heaven. But nobody, nobody wants to talk about hell. And if they do, well, like we heard in that song, it's only for a joke. It's seen as some relic of a bygone age where God was seen to be much more angry and wrathful. But now we've moved on. We, we know better. We know that God, if there is a God, is loving and kind and would never send people to roast in an eternal oven tortured by demons. If anything, hell's it's just a word we use. A word we use when we don't understand something like, what the hell am I doing in church? Or to describe how bad life is. Before Bunnings, life was hell. <laughs> or to advertise Australia to the world. So where the hell are you? The idea of hell being eternal punishment from God, well, it just seems a bit old. Maybe even a bit unfair. A bit distasteful, a bit, a bit backward. There's no way any enlightened thinker these days would ever actually believe in hell. Now Jesus, surely he was an enlightened thinker. I mean, no matter what you might think of him, pretty much across the board, everyone reckons he was a good man and a great teacher. He's, he's one of the enlightened ones. Which is interesting, because more than any other person in the Bible... Jesus talks about hell as a very real thing. The passage we read earlier is uh, part of a bigger section where Jesus is teaching his disciples from the Gospel of Matthew. He's teaching them to be ready because Judgment Day is coming. Armageddon, the final day of the end of life as we know it, is on its way. Sounds like a movie, doesn't it? And then Jesus goes on to explain what will happen on that day when it finally arrives. And it's going to be nothing like the movies. No mention of meteorites hurtling toward the earth or the planet being racked with huge city-destroying storms or waves the size of mountains killing millions or Bruce Willis saving the day in his spaceship full of explosives. Judgment Day is coming. And so... There will be judgment. And who's going to be doing the judging? Well, it's going to be Jesus. Now look at verse 31 that we had read. 
first verse in this passage that we saw, that we read earlier. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. When Jesus talks about the Son of Man, he's, he's talking about himself. Now, this might be a different picture to what we imagine Jesus to be like. This isn't gentle Jesus, meek and mild, is it? This is not a baby in a manger surrounded by animals and shepherds and wise men. This is King Jesus. On Judgment Day, Jesus will come in his kingly glory with all his angels. He owns them. He will come and he will sit in judgment upon his heavenly throne and all the nations will be gathered before him to be judged. Take a look at verse 32. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. On judgment day, all the nations will appear before Jesus to be judged. Absolutely everyone. Every human being that's ever lived, small and great, you and me, and as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, Jesus will decide who God accepts and who God rejects. Remember, this is Jesus speaking. And he says he's coming back to judge everyone, to judge who are the sheep and who are the goats. Jesus is our judge. Now, it's important to know that Jesus is our judge because, well, then we know the criteria by which we will be judged. And it's all to do with our relationship with Jesus. Jesus himself goes on to make this pretty clear. Those who trust in him, serve him, go to heaven. The sheep. And those who don't trust him and serve him and go to hell are the goats. Well, first to the sheep. Jesus, he, he turns to them and he says uh, the most beautiful thing. I don't think there will be uh, a more wonderful word spoken. He says, come. See verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Those who accept Jesus as the king will mean that they're blessed by the Father, blessed to have their sins forgiven, blessed to be, to be called righteous, blessed to be rescued from the power and dominion of Satan and brought into Jesus' kingdom. And then, then Jesus goes on to point to the stuff in their lives that shows that they've accepted him and it's the way that they've served him. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a, a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Those who serve Jesus by showing mercy to him 
are rewarded with the Father's blessing. But as Jesus goes on to say, those, those blessed by the Father will then ask him, well, how is it that they could do all this for him since they never actually saw him? And Jesus will say that by showing mercy to his disciples, by serving Christians, they in fact serve him. You see that in verse 40. In verse 40. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Now the least of uh, King Jesus' brothers are his disciples, Christians. And the sheep, those who are accepted by God, who are uh, blessed by the Father, those who have a, a right relationship with God and go to heaven. These are those that trust in Jesus and serve him by showing mercy to fellow Christians. Now, we mustn't get confused here. Showing mercy to Jesus' disciples doesn't save us from our sin. Serving others doesn't get us into a right relationship with God or into heaven. Only trusting in Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the dead does that. Showing mercy to Jesus' disciples, well, it's the way to, to show we re really are trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection. It's a bit like a marriage. When my uh, wife married me and promised to love me for richer and poorer and now continues to live with me, being as economically challenged as I am, <laughs> she demonstrates her vow of love was for real. In the same way, Showing mercy to fellow Christians is the way to demonstrate our trust in Jesus is for real. And Jesus, well, he sees this as serving him. If we call ourselves a Christian and don't go to church regularly and don't get involved in other Christians' lives, but every week duck out before the service finishes, before anyone can say hello, say hello to you and never go to a Bible study group during the week, and never look out for those here at church to visit them when they're sick or invite them around for a meal or give them clothes or other goods or, or encourage them, well, we're kidding ourselves. We're kidding ourselves if we think we're a Christian. The sheep, true Christians, are those who trust in Jesus and serve him by serving his people. And sheep go to heaven. But then Jesus turns to the goats, those who don't trust in Jesus and serve him. And he says something dreadful. He says some of the worst words anyone could ever, ever hear. Depart from me. You can see that in verse 41. And he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Unlike those he invites to come to him, Jesus orders those who are cursed to get away from him. I can't think of any more distressing words than these. That Jesus will say to some, maybe even some here today, depart from me. Upsets me terribly. Because... It's such a tragedy. 
It was never meant to be like this. Nobody, nobody was born or designed to be rejected like this. Nobody was made for the eternal fire of hell. Because hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Not, not for human beings. Not for us. Not for you. But this is where we'll go. If we ignore Jesus and serve ourselves. These are, these are Jesus' words, not mine. Those who don't trust in Jesus and don't serve him go to hell. And he makes this clear in the next verse. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not, did not look after me. Working with the, the same principle for the righteous, serving, such that serving his people, uh, serving Christians is the same as serving him, after those on his left, the goats, object to never seeing him to be able to serve him, Jesus condemns them for not showing mercy to the least of Christians and so, in effect, not serving him. You see that in verse 45. He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then Jesus lays down two paths. Those who don't trust in him and, ser and don't serve him will get eternal punishment. And those who do trust in him and serve him will get eternal life. Verse 46. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now you might be thinking, how is that fair? How can God punish people eternally for doing a finite number of sins? Surely eternal punishment is worse than anyone could deserve. How could it be fair? Well, the problem with these objections is that, that they fail to get a grip on what sin really is. Sin, sin is not so much the bad things that we do. Sin, sin is about our relationship with God. It's about the way we ignore and reject and disobey him. And we, we need to remember this because well, God is infinite in his authority and honour. Rejecting, ignoring and disobeying God is an infinite sin. So it makes sense that any consequence for ignoring, rejecting or disobeying God should be infinite. Eternal punishment for sin is just and fair because sin is against God okay you might be thinking eternal punishment might be technically fair but it's hardly loving how can God be a loving father if he sends people to hell only a sadist would do that well the question here is how we know 
that God is loving, isn't it? Everyone rightly assumes that God, if he exists, is loving. Uh, The Bible says that God is love. But that raises the problem of deciding what love actually is. Uh, Left up to you and me, we'd probably conclude that love is the best feeling of goodwill towards someone. But the Bible describes love a little different than this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, which is a letter in the Bible, it says this. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. According to the Bible, love is actually God sending Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus' death on the cross to pay for our sin and make us right with God is what God himself understands love to be. And so God is loving. He sent Jesus. But we're responsible for accepting or rejecting his love in Jesus. Imagine uh, you've just spent heaps of time looking for a present for a friend and heaps of money paying for it. It shouldn't be hard this time of year. Now, think how you'd feel if that friend doesn't even bother to unwrap the present, but instead throws it in the toilet and presses the flush button right in front of you. Now, assuming the the present is not a bottle of toilet duck, does, does your friend deserve the present? Clearly not. Do you have the right to be angry? Of course you do. God lovingly gave Jesus so that we might be saved from our sins, so that we might be made right with him, so that we might be blessed in heaven. If we reject Jesus, does God have the right to be angry at us? Most definitely, yes. Do we deserve to be saved from our sins? Do we deserve to be made right with God? Do we deserve to go to heaven? Of course not. What's more, we've rejected the only thing that makes it possible for us to be saved from our sins, for us to be made right with God, for us to to get into heaven. Simply put, those who don't trust in Jesus and serve him can only go to hell. All right, you might say. So, I'll go to hell. How bad can it be? Many of my friends and family don't have faith in Jesus, so we'll be in hell together, have a party. I don't know if you noticed, but Jesus described hell as eternal fire. Uh, The fire here is a metaphor, a way of, of communicating the torment of hell. Those who don't trust in Jesus and serve him now will suffer in hell. And Jesus' words, depart from me, I think describe what that suffering will be like. The suffering of rejection. Now I'm sure 
Like me, many of you have been scorned or rejected by a friend or a lover or a family member and told by them that they, they just can't stand to be around us. You know that feeling of rejection? That feeling of being rejected by someone you so desperately don't want to be rejected by? How it, it just eats you up inside so that you can't concentrate on anything else and nothing at all is enjoyable. Everything is grey and you can't sleep because you're thinking about those harsh words of rejection. You feel sick to the stomach and you flip from frustration to tears and try everything to escape the pain but nothing seems to work except maybe time. Time seems to heal all wounds, doesn't it? Well, on Judgment Day, if you're not trusting in Jesus, you'll spend the rest of eternity wishing you had, obsessing over his words of rejection, depart from me, until you're sick in the stomach. And time can never heal this, because this is eternal. You'll never enjoy another thing again. Not friends, not family, not anything. This is hell, rejected by Jesus and separated from God the Father forever and ever as punishment for rejecting him. You don't want to go there. Please, please, if you're not trusting in Jesus and serving him, stop ignoring him. Stop rejecting him. Stop living life your own way. Confess to God that you're a sinner, that you deserve his anger, that you deserve his judgment, even of hell. Trust that Jesus' death was for your sin and decide to serve him instead of yourself. And God will forgive you. You, you can be one of the righteous, one of those to whom Jesus will say on the final day, Come. On Judgment Day, you don't need to go away to eternal punishment. You can have eternal life. And if you say you're trusting in Jesus, like we saw in the passage, don't kid yourself that you don't need to serve Jesus by serving his people. Demonstrate your trust in him is for real by showing mercy to your fellow Christians. Those who trust in Jesus and serve him have eternal life. Whether we like it or not, Jesus is returning to judge us all one day and he's going to put us into one of two groups. Those who did trust in him and serve him, the sheep, and those who didn't trust in him and didn't serve him, the goats. Sheep, go to heaven. Goats, go to hell. And that's not a joke. These are the words of Jesus, the most enlightened man ever. And so the question you've You've got to ask yourself is this. 
Are you going to heaven or are you going to hell?